Hello, everyone, and welcome to Daily Roto's Fantasy Golf Podcast, Going for the Green. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. We are hitting you first, fresh to the market with DraftKings prices for the John Deere Classic. Uh, I am moving this week, so we are recording a day earlier than normal. So we, uh, we don't have exactly our same level of nuanced and well-researched takes, the John Deere Classic, but we do have finished probabilities powered by data golf we have DraftKings salaries and colin and i love golf and if you're gonna if you're gonna go to an event where jason duffner and cameron tringali and sebastian munoz are all going to be in play you really want to you really want that event to be one where you listen to colin and i break it down uh colin how was your 3m open uh, i wasn't too bad the main slate i uh, lost a little bit on FanDuel. was pretty live again uh well into saturday and then just teams couldn't keep up the pace. That was one of these things in the birdie fest is like, you feel like you're doing good, but then your guys just shoot minus one for a couple, you know, a couple guys shoot that over the 18 and you're going to drop a couple hundred spots on the leaderboard. And so I was more or less dead on, on Sunday, um, made a tiny bit of money on DK main slate, lost half of my buy-ins on round four showdowns. So down week overall, but it was GPP life. Nothing, nothing too crazy. The, end of the golf tournament was awesome though just like straight up like i had no vested rooting interests and i was just sitting back enjoying uh the young guns putting on a nice little show for us morikawa wolf dechambeau like the end of that event you can't beat that no you you really can't it, i mean and those are all guys i really like to watch i really was not expecting the 3m open to be like good television golf i, I was not expecting to be sweating out the finals i had my teams were a lot better on Friday night after the cut. I Probably this was like the most six of sixes I've ever had. And part of that was because minus three hit instead of minus four. And there was like a, a rather large MDF. But uh, that a was couple, wild too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was probably when, what's his name? Uh, Davis? Who was the guy who made double? I don't even remember. There, it doesn't even matter. There was a guy sitting at minus five who had to make double on the last hole to make the cut be minus three. And he didn't even hit the water and he still made double because he three putted from, I think, 10 feet. And so, so just a super extreme case of, of uh, like, I guess if you had a bunch of minus four lineups, you were probably tilted. Yeah. And, and then the, obviously the end of that event, I uh, know you had a DeChambeau outright ticket stuffs that approach shot on 18 rolls in the Eagle putt. I, I was doing cartwheels and you're, you're feeling like, well, I mean, it's a birdie hole, right? So those Wolf and uh, Morikawa hit great drives off the tee. So before Bryson made his putt, you knew that they were going to have the 200 yard approaches over the water realistically one of those guys is definitely gonna make yeah, a I, I felt like i felt like playoff coming but i also am thinking okay bryson in a playoff versus two rookies to the tour two guys who just have not been in this spot a ton yeah. of times i felt good about the spot and, and you feel like maybe both these guys will choke it off on the approach shot because like it's it's a huge moment for them and they're trying to get mm -hmm. their tour card and no, they both hit incredible approaches. And then mm, Wolf's approach was, was not was good, though. Great. I mean, he's right off, right off the fringe, like easy look to get up and down for birdie and does one better than that and rolls in the eagle putt, man. That was pretty sick. I, I, would guess, I would guess if you had to go look through every shot that Wolf hit over the course of 72 holes, my guess is that was probably the longest putt he made all week. Yeah, he, he was uh, 
kind of break even just a little bit above that on the greens. So, it, I mean, we always talk about wanting winners to be a strong tee to green. That definitely was what happened with Matthew Wolf's win. Morikawa was right there tee to green as well. So I uh, felt like it was, it was nice. I mean, those young guys in contention kind of crazy though. It's, you know, a missed opportunity for, for you, not only the Bryson loss and the outright ticket, but you've been riding Wolf and then yeah. he goes off oh. at like 7k, 1%. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw his round on Saturday, dude, I would like, and like chat was like railing me too. Like a couple of the guys in the sub slack were like, Oh, Davis has to have good teams. And I like barely had the heart to tell him like, no, I, I have none. So that was, and I was like on the golf course too, listening to it on the radio. And I like thought I was being trolled on the Eagle putt by Wolf. I was like, I was pretty certain that, uh, that like, oh, he just hit it really close or what I had no idea that he actually made it. So that was pretty frustrating, but let's, uh, let's get into it. The John Deere classic at TPC Deer Run, uh, six easiest course on the tour last year, crazy wide fairways, not a long course. This is the uh, the Zach Johnson Open, though, as we have come to call it in the DFS community. Yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, you know there are going to be plenty of birdies here. You know that the winning score is going to be close to 20 under par, and you know that Zach Johnson is going to be inside the top 20 and, and possibly punishing you if you fade him with a top five finish. Um, his last few years haven't, haven't been there, but, you know, he had that string um, kind of over the last 10 years where he's basically a, a lock to be inside the top five. Uh, and Jordan Spieth and Steve Stricker, great course histories here too. So that tells you about what you need to know about it. Definitely not a bomber's course by any means, a course where a good wedge and a good putter can uh, have you in contention. Some of the other champions in the field this week include Ryan Moore, Brian Harmon, who actually comes in pretty good form, um, had, had a long-term down swing in his career, but comes in in good form. And then Michael Kim, another extremely weak field, I would say, this week. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the fact that the three highest-priced guys are all rookies on the PGA Tour, I thought, I thought that's pretty interesting. I mean, it is following the betting markets, but I just I did not see that as ever. I did not see Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland and Colleen Morikawa being the three most expensive golfers at a tournament at any point this year. This feels like total rand. Yeah, definitely some, some randomness going to be uh, happening this week. But it, it is a good week to play. It's MLB All-Star break, so there's nothing going on in the MLB DFS streets. And uh, we actually got a free trial we're going to run this week for MLB. And if you want to uh, try it out for, for golf or for the Elite Package, it will work there as well. Use the promo code ASG2019. Get access to a free week of any sport at Daily Rado that you want. So if you do it this week, it'll carry through next week to uh, the Open Championship as well. And definitely a good chance to check out the golf product or the baseball product if you're interested. But uh, I, I don't know, man. It's You're going to have to play this week because we got no, no MLB DFS to grind, no quarter arcades to grind. So it's going to be 150, 300 lineups of, of golf. So let's get into it. I mean, it. I play... I play. 350-ish lineups of golf anyways, but uh, probably probably will be, I'll probably put like some teams in the twirl and stuff this week instead, because I'm going to get way behind on Crown Life. I'm missing out on, I'm missing out on, uh, you know, $800 of, of action or whatever a day in Crown, so I got to find a way to make that up. Which, and you know what, honestly, if there was, if you were going to make an event where uh, just to try and get weird on a week off of baseball when more people are in the field, this is a pretty good week to uh to do it because 
I mean, the best statistical models in the world, I, I don't know how much you can really do with Hovland, Morikawa, and Wolf. Like, the, the, if you just look at, the, like, the sample bars on day to golf for those guys, they're so small compared to everyone else. Like, that, just the, the relative sample we have of these guys is so low. And my guess is, of the people above 10,000, I actually think – do you think Wolf might end up being the highest owned? Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's, he hasn't done it as consistently. So I could see, even though he did win, I could see people kind of by, bypassing him. Uh, whereas Hovland and Morikawa have had a little bit more consistent, uh, not winning finishes, but kind of top end finishes. So uh, I don't think that Wolf will end up being the highest owned and the Vegas markets have him as the lowest out of those guys as well. So that's another kind of linchpin that'll drive ownership. I actually think Wolf will end up being lower owned than Morikawa, Hovland, and probably than Neiman and Streelman as well. Um, so I think he's probably the lowest owned. Streelman actually, to, I actually think Streelman gets bypassed here because I think a lot of the people who are going to play just, they want to jam in Hovland, Wolf, Morikawa. They just saw those guys on TV. I don't, Streelman is like, he's not like a, no, like no one in the, the golf community like stands Kevin Streelman, you know? Like, you know what I'm saying? He's not like a community favorite or anything. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the other thing people, you know, you want to lean on um, is trying to understand how they kind of got to the results. And Hovland is, has been consistently gaining strokes every tour event off the tee, uh, including at the U.S. Open and Travelers were kind of his most dominant performances. But he's been gaining an approach in all of those events as well. And um, a little volatile with the putter, a little volatile with the short game. But uh, who knows if that's, his skill set or if that's variance and noise there. And then Morikawa hasn't shown the same, I guess, upside with individual elements like like Hopland does with his off the tee play, but he did have it very dialed in on approach last week and he's been gaining strokes consistently in tee to green as well. Wolf has been a little bit more all over the map and then people never kind of want to back a winner right after the win. So uh, yeah, it's like the dumbest. It's like the dumbest thing ever to like not play a guy after he was just the best golfer that everyone saw the week before, but it's a real thing people believe. Yeah. And then Neiman, you got Neiman below and Neiman has been very consistent over the past six events, getting strokes, tee to green and, and all of those. And he's, he's seen some uptick with the putter, which is maybe you're kind of buying a little bit of that, but the tee to green performance that underlies has been consistent too. And I think people are sharp enough now in DFS golf that they'll be able to kind of do all of that analysis and, and that'll end up leaving Wolf, the, the guy who's probably like single digits or close to 10% owned. So I want to talk a little bit about optimizer settings because I think the last two weeks I've actually kind of found a more consistent sort of process to maybe not even generating like super great winning lineups or whatever, but just lineups that like are consistently drawing live. I've narrowed down the ownership to like like 76, 75, 74% max owned and then lowered the total salary to 49,800 with like a pretty good shuffle. And I just noticed these last two weeks, like my teams that have been drawing live or that have had like good combinations have tend like not been duped, which I just feel like that just feels like a win already. Yeah. Those feel like good settings to avoid be being duped. Uh, you don't have to avoid being duped in all of the tournaments, especially the stuff that's smaller field or a little bit higher buy-in, but you still can play with some of those settings for uh, just having some contrarian elements to the team. Uh, I, th I think that makes sense. The the two ones that I think about the most are where to set like the cutoff for top 20 odds or, or basically the floor, like how, what's the worst player I want to include in my submission. 
that's one that I think about a lot and I kind of tinker with it on a week to week basis. And then the other thing I've been doing more on FanDuel is trying to set up groups so that it caps the number of bad golfers that are in one lineup. And I say, I mean, bad is all relative to the field, right? But uh, I'm okay taking shots on guys who are long shots to finish inside the top 20 if they're going to be low owned. But I don't want three long shots stuffed into the same lineup so that if you hit the nut somewhere else, you also have to hit your three long shots. So I've been trying to use groups to manage that a little bit on FanDuel where the pricing is so soft that it, it kind of creates some interesting uh, roster construction things. On DK, it's different because like you have to have two relatively poorly projected players in your lineups if you're going to fit in top end guys. I've been I've been trying to do use groups in maybe maybe a similar way, but more for like the mid tier. So I've been creating like so that um, basically so that my first lineup is not so radically different from my 300th lineup that it looks like it was made from like different settings. So like creating rules of like must use at least two of you know, and then include a pool of like 12 golfers that I want to be like my core for that week. Like guys who would be from like, you know, 8,500 to 7,000, like guys that I'm really trying to use in that range. Even if, even if some of those guys are only going to be 12%, you know, like just basically just so that the lineups feel more cohesive, I guess. Yeah. And I do that a bit for round four showdown as well. And I think last week was another great example where Lucas Glover went bananas in the fourth round and uh, moved up like 60 spots in the leaderboard and had the had the outright lead for a little bit. And that's going to happen in these events that are birdie fest. Guys are going to be able to come from way back and, and put up massive DK points even. And like they're not going to project close to the optimal lineup based on the value, but some of those guys are going to pop and those guys are always going to be in the optimal. And that's not always the case when it's a harder scoring event and the finish points matter a lot more as the percentage of the overall points. So um, in showdown in round four. And that's one of the things that we have in our optimizer over at daily roto. Uh, that's, I also lean on groups pretty heavily for creating lineups there to try to get like a balance of, um, kind of high raw projected versus, uh, good deep values. They're going to be sub 5% owned. So this next range of guys, the nine thousands, Lucas Glover, Sung J M, Zach Johnson, Charles Howell, Brian Harmon, Daniel Berger, Ryan Moore, Sam Burns, and Wyndham Clark. I would say, Probably Sungjae and Howell and Berger feel like kind of like the core plays that I would be really interested in using here. I just, I can't really imagine going too heavy on Zach Johnson. It's, it's going to be, I mean, ZJ is a guy I'll end up boosting the default projection. Like our default projections have no course history baked in, uh, but he has played this event a ton of times. And so there will be some bump I can make there confidently on ZJ as far as course history. Uh, but I don't know if it's enough to make him like a extremely solid play at 9.6K uh, just because our projections have him uh, kind of down a bit separated from these guys with with him and Howell being two of the guys that have kind of balanced game that I trust the most, most and um, kind of pop in the strokes gained uh, work as well. Lucas Glover is probably the guy I'm most uncomfortable with because his projection is – it's so strong. Um, but just like the, the two year track record of playing Lucas Glover just feels like, like the upside's not necessarily going to be there at 9.8 K, but the field is just, is so weak this week. Um, so I don't know when I, when I look at strokes gained off the team approach over the last 50 rounds, he he's inside the top 30 in the field there. 
when I look at short game putting over like 150 rounds, he's inside the top 30 there. He seems like a solid value, but I don't know if he has the upside. So I'm inclined to, to lean on him, Howell, maybe a little bit of ZJ there. I was curious what you were going to do with Brian Harmon, a guy who actually relative to his baselines comes in with some of the best form in the entire field and is a former winner here, a short knocker at a short knockers course. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple 65s at the 3M was really good at the travelers. I I mean, I don't know. I just think I'm I'm probably going to be trying to fill my lineups with like, and also I bet he'll carry a decent ownership projection. And so just with the way that I do my settings, I just don't think he would end up in a ton of lineups because my ownership cap is going to be low enough. And I will, I will definitely have like in, in my runs, I will have um, the other nine K guys like a boosted above him in terms of raw points. So like Sung Jay will have more raw points. Charles Harm, Charles Howell will have more raw points and Daniel Berger will probably have more raw points as well. So I just, I just don't know how, I just don't know if he'll make my pool basically. And I think I'll be off of Burns. I'll be off of Wyndham Clark after that epic club dropping, club throwing performance. Yeah, that, that was really, that was really good. I was like, I, I relate to that. I, we've all been there. Uh, and I think one of the harder decisions for me this week is going to be what to do with uh, Ryan Moore, who, when I think about the long-term skill of a golfer, it's the type of guy that I want to roster in this type of environment, but back-to-back miscuts at really easy courses um, with weak fields has me a little bit of gun shy. I'm sure that will lower the ownership on more a little bit, but it, it's tough. And I, there hasn't been a lot there that you can lean on. So even like his, his events where he was doing okay, none of his metrics were kind of popping off the table. So Ryan Moore, if he's like five to 10% owned, I probably want a little bit, but if he's going to be like the, the 10 to 15 that most guys get here, I guess I'll try to look at those other options. What would Dustin be priced and owned if he was in this field? Uh, I mean, he'd be 12K, right? So I, I feel like more. it's... Maybe more. I mean, the, the second, pre- the, the highest priced guy in this field is an AM or a, a recent pro- like rookie without a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the 12 to 12.3, they don't, I mean, it's been a long time since we've yeah, seen. They don't some. really make anyone higher than 12. And then usually you get the the 30%, 35% ownership. And usually it doesn't get too much higher than that, especially as MME people diversify. Yeah. So right now we're at least discussing names that like most people are used to like making roster decisions on these guys on a weekly basis. When you get to the eight K's, I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. So to start out the eight K's, Kevin Tway, Kyle Stanley, Bud Colley, Ryan Palmer, uh, PGA Tour winner Nate Lashley, Joel Damon, Scott Brown, Marty Laird, Jason Duffner, Nick Watney. I mean, it, it, this, is the, this is truly the, uh, the, the short knocker open. Yeah. I, it's interesting because the top end, you can tell that DK changes like the algorithm week to week. We don't have any guys above 11K this week, and they've kind of adjusted that based on the Vegas odds. But like there are always guys who are priced between eight and nine thousand, even if they don't project that differently in the outright betting markets. And I kind of think that's what you get in the eight K range this week, where um, even in the the Vegas odds, there's not a huge difference as far as the odds being offered on you know the the Kevin Tways and Nate Lashley's, and then the guys that you can get for a thousand dollars cheaper down in like the Dylan Fratelli, Pat Perez range. And I kind of see that similarly. Um, so I have some interest in 
a couple of these guys. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up with a little bit of Bud Cauley, Ryan Palmer in my lineups. Joel Dahman, I think, is a, a solid value as well. But I, I don't feel like it's a mandatory range where you have to go out of your way to target it because they don't project too much better than the 7.5 in take care range. No, I mean, I, I always play Bud Cauley. This, would be, this, this is easily the most I've ever paid for Bud Cauley, though, in, uh, in an event. But he, he also heroed up and made an eagle on the 18th to make the – if it would have been minus four, he would have needed the eagle to make the cut last week. So he's definitely getting some props for me for, uh, for making that. I, I'm interested in Damon quite a bit. I think this, this seems like a, a pretty decent course for him because his distance off the tee is not going to hamper him quite as much. Seems like a, a pretty decent week for you to shoot him a DM and ask him how his game's feeling and, and how he's going to do this week. Yeah, I should ask him. I should, I, well, I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll DM him on Wednesday morning and ask him kind of how the course is and everything and then pass it on to the, to the DR subscriber. I could also, ask, could also ask my boy Hollywood Hoagie. Who, uh, Hollywood Hoagie, four straight made cuts and uh, his best round on tour this year, the, uh, the 65 in round three after showing up on the take cast. <laughs> nice i like it a uh, good yeah. little bump there but yeah i don't know i mean those are mostly the feelings um i, I think the ak range collie palmer damon probably the guys i'm most interested in and then uh probably dropping down to the the top end of the 7k range where a couple of the guys i have some interest in peter malnati jt poston von taylor taylor gooch uh danny lee dylan fratelli Kind of, kind of a big range of like blah guys, but they're just as blah as the AK range. Yeah, uh, I mean, we got we have a noted first round hero Bronson Burgoon. Uh, here's another guy who continues to smoke his baselines. Cameron Tringali again, another made cut, shoots a 66 in the opening round, 67 in round three. Another, another pretty good week for him. Yeah, and he get. I mean, he is a good putter, so he he can get like scorching hot with his putter. Um, and and I feel like the approach game there. So like his weakness is off the tee. Um, I so I feel like that's the the type of course that's been benefiting guys this week where there's not as much um, damage. The course has been a little bit shorter. I feel like the the way that the courses have played the past couple weeks is going to set up pretty similarly this week. Yeah. Uh, so Denny McCarthy. That this is the Davis Matic Gold Star uh, five star Gold Butt Lock Button uh, Tout Play of the Week. I will I will have whatever Denny McCarthy is projecting the ownership projection. I'll have like three X whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if he'll like. It still feels like he's flying under the radar a little bit. Probably a guy that data golf subs have been playing um, a little bit more than the market. Uh, a really strong putter himself, not the best in most other statistical categories. I mean, these, these birdie fest events are just so perfect for him. Cause it's like, you know, whatever, hit your drive to 120, get your, get your iron shot within 15 feet and just sink the putt. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I, I think like Johnny Vegas is an interesting play um, just from ability to generate birdies the type of course here where he's not going to be penalized off the tee very much because the fairways are pretty easy to hit and he can poke it out there. Actually top player in the field strokes gained off the tee over the last 50 rounds. So I think he's a pretty good play in the DK tournament. And this is a range where I think DK scoring can, can separate guys a lot versus the top end where you really need those placement points. Yeah. Uh, if I have a, if I can do a prediction of the ownership projection, 
Sepp Straka is going to end up being like five for like over whatever he should be owned. He's going to be on 5% more than that, just because people like him. And, uh, you're, you, you have a question about baselines for our boy, Joey Garber, who has, uh, really basically his two best events on the PGA tour are the last two weeks. Yeah. He's one of the hottest players on tour relative to his personal baselines. Um, always a struggle to, take too much of a stand on guys like that guys who are outside of the top 300 in the world golf rankings. But I uh, was, was curious if you were going to be buying into his form at all or probably just passing and waiting for another week. Well, I always move the short term bar like 10 more than whatever the data golf defaults are when I make my lineups, like I, whatever, whatever the defaults are, I always include short term form more than the data golf guys do just because it's like my, like, that's just a, that's just a personal philosophy. I think short term form is like, it's, you know, it's not the most important thing, but I definitely think there is like cases of, this is like the argument that people make in baseball or whatever, like dude's hot right now. You got to play him. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think there is something to like, guys just striping his irons right now. So I, I like to include like a little bit of that granular data. Yeah. Um, just looking at outright prices, guys who are mispriced compared to the early outright markets who could potentially pick up some ownership. You kind of flag Straka as one of those guys. I think that will be the case. Um, Bo Hostler is another guy below 7.5K that um, has some of the higher win probabilities in the Vegas betting markets compared to the DK price. And then Roger Sloan is another guy who kind of got a bump in the outright markets this week, was in contention for a bit late last weekend. Um, so I think those are some of the, the kind of funnel spots where I'd expect early ownership to gravitate. Um, I'd say the, the data golf work kind of has all those guys as re- reasonable plays in MME builds, but by no means guys that are kind of linchpins and core building blocks that you have to build around. So um, if the ownership does funnel there, then I'd be happy to to take a pass on that. There are a lot of guys in this range that I think are like very good plays at just like, guys who can just randomly post 64s, uh, like Johnson Wagner, Carlos Ortiz, Bryce Garnett, uh, Jonathan Bird, Matt Jones. Like I, like my uh, my strategy this week is definitely going to be a very high shuffle, and like I just there there may be going to be like ten guys that I want to get over. 25, 30% on, and then I'm just going to let like the shuffle tool do its work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for MME, I'll probably, um, I don't know. It's like the, the depth of the field just makes the MME decisions on DK combined with their sharp pricing a little bit um, tougher. So I feel like I've been having better luck on FanDuel. The MME, I'll probably stick to that this week just because you're getting a little bit higher quality player into the pool there. Uh, but regardless, we'll be turning up the shuffle there. And that that basically takes it from like owning 60% of guys to like owning 40 or 45%. Can definitely take some bigger stands on decent golfers um, over there. Are you interested in playing one Mr. Luke Donald? But when I think of when I think of champion short knockers, I definitely think of like Luke Donald win in form. Yeah, that that's an interesting thought. I mean He's the type of guy that you don't want at a place where the driver is going to mean a lot, but his, his short game. And I mean, when he's playing well, you think of his game similarly to Zach Johnson, but it just hasn't been there for a while. I, I don't think I'm going to play a lot of Luke Donald. Um, I don't think he'll enter my submission. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other like good cheap guys. Uh, I mean, obviously uh, my boy, Adam Shank, the, the disrespect continues, maybe weakest field of the year. Adam Shank, $6,800. He's, uh, 
he will def- – I mean, I, I, I bet he'll even have, like, a good projection once the stuff comes out. I bet he'll be, like, a plus five or six value. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting this week to see if um... – with the Scottish Open, if they in the MLB All Star break, kind of drying up the DFS contests, I wonder if they'll run anything bigger for the Scottish Open, which has a pretty strong field this week. Um, so I'm hoping they will. If not, maybe maybe we'll put something out there, like just create our own contest in single entry three max, and, and see if we can get something going. Yeah, I I would be I would be in, I would play if they if if they have like a 20k to first or whatever for the uh, the Scottish Open. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how to bet this event? Um, nothing concrete. I guess the similar thought to the past couple weeks, and I feel like it's come to fruition, not necessarily with guys that I've been playing, but with the event in general. And it does feel like it's going to be a birdie fest. It, it is an extremely weak field. It does feel like a week where some of the quote-unquote random players could rise towards the top of the leaderboards and you could get some longer shots who are – actually in contention so on some of the more challenging events uh, i'm always a little gun sh- gun back um it's kind of lower quality players but in a week like this i feel like taking a stab at some of those 140 175 200 to one yeah um, this this definitely i totally agree like this feels like an event where you can just bet like like eight dudes at 125 to one for like half a unit and just be like i just need one of these guys to give me a sweat on sunday yeah, and I definitely think that's the case. Um, I mean, you can get some pretty long prices on on a lot of different guys this week. I'm taking I'm taking Hovland in one and done. I'm I, I I'm so excited for this moment to arrive. Yeah, he's probably it, ch- he's probably chalk in the one and done. Honestly, I I think the one and done. So it's I mean it's the second event of the last segment. It kind of depends where you stand. Um, it does feel well, like I took one- Rory Sabatini last week. So the, the chase for round four is not off to a great start. <laughs> so it does feel like uh, this week people are either going to grab somebody like Hovland, Neiman, M, or they're going to grab ZJ. And those were kind of the guys that jumped out to, to me. There's, you know, the, the pivot options aren't extremely exciting and you're never and if, gonna... you're, if you're taking D- data golf's word for it maury cower streelman is is like the clear option especially because i think those guys wouldn't be like amongst the top three owned yeah yeah and i mean I, I think those are those are very reasonable options this week um kind of i feel like the big question is like do, do you take cj or do you kind of bypass him and grab one of these other names if you're going to grab another name uh i think hovland is the most respected by the, the Vegas markets. I think Morikawa is uh, the guy that data golf likes the most. And then I think Neiman will also have a fair bit of ownership just coming in with the solid form and his pricing in the Vegas markets as well. Yeah. It just feels, it feels like a, I don't know. I, I don't even really recall the John Deere classic field being this week, even knowing that it's the week before the open most of the time. Like I just, in general, I feel like this, it has a little bit more, at least like some of the old, like I always feel like Steve Stricker would at least play this. And like, that would be another decision point, but Steve Stricker, like what he just plays on the senior tour now, I think. Right. Yeah. That, I, I mean, Spieth's the, the big missing name, right? Well, I, I mean, I guess it does suck that he's not like the, it would he's be so lot- shook. He, can't, he doesn't even want to embarrass himself. <laughs> in the John Deere. It, it does suck for our contacts because they, you know, at least like fifteen percent of teams would probably have him here or whatever. So that uh, that does suck. Like you know, some of that Neiman, some of that Hovland ownership, 
would it would have gone on to speed, but he's not here to suck that away now. Yeah. Well, if you are going to grind DFS this week, if you're going to grind DFS next week for the Open Championship, definitely check out our projections and golf betting tools over at Daily Roto. And we're running that free trial campaign leading out of the MLB All-Star break. Works for MLB or an elite package. Get a free week with the promo promo code ASG2019. There we go.